Well, if you haven't got a Bible with you, uh, lean over the person next to you or pull it up on your phone. And uh, we're going to head out to Galatia. We're going to head over to the book of Galatians this morning. And as we get there, we're going to just say a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this time, Lord, of uh, reading your word and of learning about you and learning about your word, Jesus, we just trust that you will speak to us, Lord, that the word will come alive, Lord, it'll mean something to us. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you for the patience you have with me. Lord, I thank you for using me, Lord, as a pastor, Lord, as a speaker to share, oh God, the goodness of who you are, Lord, through the reading of your word. And Lord, I just thank you today, Lord, would it just penetrate our hearts and be meaningful towards us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I come back to this verse. I know I said turn to Galatians, but I come back to 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And I am so thankful that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit, Lord, that filled Christ Jesus lives within inside of us. That I don't have to be the person I once was. I get to be the person that God destined me to begin destined for me to be from the beginning of time. I love Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, I no longer live, but Christ lives where? Within me. I am excited today, even if you don't see it in my face or hear it in my voice. I am excited today because I believe, excuse me, that God has been transforming me specifically, but I believe he's been transforming us together as a church as we've been going through this series because the fruit of the Spirit is all about not trying to follow a set of rules, not trying to say, okay, is this in my life? Is that in my life? It's not trying to measure ourselves up against a standard, but rather it's about aligning ourselves and allowing God to live freely in us. You know, have you ever been, has anyone ever had the opportunity to go in a race car before? Like have someone else drive like a professional race car driver? So was that, I mean, I don't follow hardly any sports, but was that last week in the big Daytona 500? Was that last weekend or recently anyway? And I don't know if you, if you follow it at all, but there was the, the one driver, he was in the lead, the last corner of the last lap. He was about to cross the finish line and all of a sudden wrecked his car. Still ended up in fourth place, I think. Crossed the line, finish line, rolling his car on fire the whole bit. Seriously, like in the hospital, crazy. Um, an incredible crash. It's amazing that people survive some of the crashes these guys go through. Uh, it's amazing. He went through that crazy challenge and still crossed the finish line in the top. It's, it's unbelievable. But when you jump into the passenger seat, or if you've flown on an airplane, this is probably better, because more of us have probably flown on an airplane than ridden in a NASCAR before. Um, now, I, I, I do. If you want to do a NASCAR, a race car, or a really fancy car type of experience, uh, you can go down to, uh, I, think, I think they do this in Cayuga. Greg, you might even know about this. They do, they can rent fancy cars, and they'll take you for, for a ride in a really nice, fast car on the racetrack there. And... Anyways, when you jump in that passenger seat or you jump on that plane as a passenger, um, you sort of surrender a little bit of control and you just trust that that pilot's going to get you to where you need to go. Uh, it's probably why a lot of people don't like flying because they have to give up that control. Um, 
and that can be difficult sometimes. And I sort of, going through this series, it's, it, it's not so much about measuring ourselves up to a list of rules or qualities that we see sort of in our list here of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, but it's, it's more about... I can't wait to get to self-control. I have a really fun activity for us to do. But it's more about allowing God to take control over our lives. Because when we surrender to him, I, I just, I have to tell you, if you don't, if you have never experienced this for yourself, my life is significantly better for two reasons. The last 10 years have been a significantly improved life because I've been married to an incredible person. Uh, you know her, her name's Elizabeth. And and my life is significantly better because we have chosen to become married and become husband and wife, and my life is just immensely better because of it. The second change in my life that has taken place from a young age was the decision I made to serve and follow Jesus. And there's moments where I stumble, there's moments where I have fallen, and I always know every time I come back, it's always better when I'm walking with Jesus instead of when I'm walking away from him. And so it's amazing to see these things come to life again and again and again in me, and I'd rather walk with him than walk without him. It's amazing watching what the Holy Spirit can produce inside of me. You know, I've had people compliment me over the years and even recently about different things that I've done, about who I am. And I always, always come back to the place of humility because without Jesus, I am nothing. I'm really not a nice person without God. I'm only friendly because of Jesus. Now, I know how to put on a smile. I can fake it if you really want me to, but I won't. But I am who I am because of who Jesus is inside of me. And I am a work in progress. The first song I ever learned to play on guitar was a song titled, He's Still Working On Me, to make me what I ought to be. And those words still ring. I learned to play the guitar in grade three, which however old you are in grade three, minus the age I am now, I am still learning the purpose and I'm still learning and living out that same song because I am still a work in progress. Anyone else a work in progress or has someone arrived? Anyone here arrived? Because if you've arrived, I'll give you the microphone right now. All right. Would someone read for us Galatians 5, 22 to 23 for us this morning? And not Judy. She already did it. It doesn't matter the translation. Because I'll get to that in a minute. First one there can read it out loud. You get tired of my voice after a while. I get tired of my voice. So. I won't make eye contact with anyone. Just, I'll just say your name and you can do it. So, Give you a hint. You can just look on the banner over there too. Three. Against such, thank you so much, Sandra, uh, for stepping in there this morning. Against such, there is no law. If we walk by the Spirit of God, if we walk in the plans that God has for us, we will not satisfy, we will not gratify, we will not give in to the desires of our flesh. Whatever feels good, do it. That is not 
from the Bible. That is not a piece of advice you should listen to because if we go by our feelings, it'll take us away from where Jesus wants us to go, not bring us towards where he wants us to go. Even the really cool God moment I was talking about earlier, we can follow our emotions and expect an emotional reaction and it'll mean nothing if it's not an active work of the Holy Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit of God, we do not give in to the desires of our flesh. When we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God himself, when we allow to be filled by God himself, we can't help but reflect who he is. And God has established his presence in us, not just for ourselves, but so he would use us as his church to reflect his goodness to the world around us. The fruit tells us that God is more concerned with who we are than what we are doing. All right, today we're going to jump to what I was going to share last week. And it's kind of the funny the way it works out is that I was going to preach on goodness this week. But the reality is, is when you jump into the definitions of both goodness and kindness, they sort of are really intertwined together. And we'll get sort of break that down a little bit, some of the differences and some of the more specifics of it in just a little bit. So stick with me for a few minutes. And by the time we get to the end, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of narrow it down. But let's start today with kindness. Kindness is... Uh, is a beautiful, beautiful trait. If you've ever experienced the kindness of someone before, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we're planning this missions trip, and so one of the activities that we're gonna do, and I think it's gonna surprise us a little bit, is uh, we actually, when we go, our, our goal, one of our goals is, is to really just learn about the culture of, of Moanza, Tanzania. Learn about the people of Moanza, Tanzania and see firsthand the work that is being done there through, our, through your generous donations to the work that our missionaries do. And one of the opportunities that I, I'm praying that we have is that we will put ourselves in a position where we will have to uh, sort of look and receive kindness from the world around us when we get there, from the community around us. And it's so amazing to see if you've ever been sort of lost or distraught or just having a bad day, it's amazing how one little word or one little act of kindness can turn everything around. You know when someone's grumpy, if you start showing them a smile and start being kind to them, I hate that. Okay, because when I'm grumpy and I'm mad, I want to be grumpy and I want to be mad and I want to be miserable. And you guys should pray for my wife because she has shown me an incredible amount of kindness and then she has me laughing. It's unbelievable. It's an incredible skill that God has given her. But when I'm grumpy, I want to be grumpy. And it's amazing just that one little smile, that one sort of little compliment, whatever it is, that little act of service can turn a person's day and it can turn a person's life around in an instant. It changes our perspective. Kindness in today's context of the fruit of the Spirit did surprise me in its definition, but really it shouldn't have. In some commentaries, it's defined by what it's not. For example, one study of the word says that kindness means not wanting to hurt or kill somebody. I added the kill part. Uh, kindness is not wanting to hurt or cause them pain. Lord, I won't cause them pain, but if you could, that would really appreciate that. I've had those moments. It's not wanting to hurt someone. So that tells me that kindness starts in here and in here, not just out here. It starts on the inside. 
Another study states that kindness involves true and active consideration for others. However, it goes on to state as well that kindness is not wanting anyone or anyone else to cause pain. Again, sort of a bit of an opposite in there as well. So, kindness is not wanting anyone or anyone else to cause pain or wanting anyone else to have to suffer. Kindness means, which of course then by default is, well, what am I going to do about that? This person is suffering, this person is in pain, this person is hurting, this person is starving, this person is broken. I want to do something about that, is the result of kindness. How many think, if I were to ask this question today, how many would answer the question, yes or no, is God fair? Would you say yes or no? How many say yes? Put your hand up really high. Okay. Aren't you glad he's not, though? Aren't you glad God isn't fair? And let me tell you why. If God were fair, every little thing, every little sin, every little act that you have committed against him would be punished. Every transgression would be public. How many, you don't have to put your hand up for this one, because that would be weird. How many have things in your life that you're really glad people don't know about? Because of God's mercy and grace, he's, he's protected you from the embarrassment. I'll put my hand up. I'll tell you about it someday. But if God were fair, every little thing we do would be put on display. It would be public and we'd be punished for our crimes. It would be exposed. How many are glad that God is not fair now? (laughs) Kindness translates goodness and generosity towards all people. No matter what they have done or what they have done to us. God graciously manifests such kindness towards us despite all of our sins. Somehow God managed to show kindness towards us in spite of what we have done. Scripture tells us that when the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, he saved. Not because of things that we have done, not because of righteous good things that we've done to outweigh the bad things that we've done, because that doesn't work, by the way, but by according to his own mercy. He is washing us, he's regenerating us, he's renewing us through the Holy Spirit. You can find sort of that paraphrased reference in Titus 3. 4 and 5. And Ephesians 2, 7 says, God saved us so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the same way, Father God is calling us to choose kindness with others. We are, after all, filled with his spirit. No longer I live, but Christ lives within me. He calls us to choose kindness towards others. It means showing grace to those who have hurt us and persecuted us. It means showing us, showing others kindness, even if they don't deserve it. I'm going to get ahead of myself on my notes if I don't come back, but there's something really cool coming up. The Greek word for kindness is akin to Christ or Messiah. These two words match perfectly because the Christian person is the kindness person. The Christian person is the kindness person. 
In fact, when the word is used in the New Testament, of the 17 times it's used, eight of those 17 times, it describes the character of God whose kindness leads us to repentance. Back to Ephesians 2 and 7, where out of his incomparable riches and kindness, God gave us salvation in Christ. 1 Peter 2, 3 says, to us that have, I can't talk anymore. To us who have tasted of the Lord, the Lord is kind. For those of us who've experienced the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God, we recognize today that the Lord is kind. Have you ever had a similar belief to someone else? And it was just slightly different enough that you were able to get into a heated argument with them? First, let me back. Has anyone ever been in a heated argument before? With a like-minded person? Wink if that person's sitting next to you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) The book of Galatians, this is essentially what's happening with Paul. Paul is writing this book as a response to some Jewish Christians who have started teaching a different form of the gospel than what Paul is preaching. In fact, Paul's right and they're wrong. How many here have fought hard because you were right and they were wrong? And the argument got a little heated. It's essentially what's happening. Paul is writing this letter and he is right hot mad. Like, he is just furious. And he's writing it really to three, there's sort of three perspectives you can read it from. You can read it from Paul's perspective, you can read it from the church's perspective, and you can read it from the, the, the group of people that he's accusing and as a response to their teachings. And in fact, you can go to Galatians chapter 3, and the opening line is, you foolish Galatians. Like, what if I walked up here Sunday morning, or we got a letter from our district superintendent, and he said, you foolish Terrace Bay Scrabber North Shore citizens, members of Terrace Bay Gospel Assembly. Don't be dumb. Stop it. Do what is right. Lori is not quite like that, but he'll say some pretty honest words. But we all need honesty in our life. And sometimes we even need correction in our life. Now think, think of the, the church in Galatians right now. So their church, they probably have a pastor. The pastor is being addressed in this letter as well. So if you're looking at me saying, oh, Pastor Gary is perfect, you're wrong. And you probably don't think that anyway because it's obvious. But... But he's writing this book in a heated argument, saying, look, this is the way that God has ordained it. This is the true gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to do this, 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 or that. It's not by works that we're saved. And then they even question Paul's authority as an apostle. And Paul reminds them, he's like, I am not given this title by men. I am not given this title because a group of people said I am an apostle. My title comes through my identity in Christ Jesus alone. And so when someone tries to argue with you and you get into those heated moments, remember where we stand with God. Now we can talk about, and I even think I mentioned a little bit later, we can talk about picking our battles and pick which hills to die on and all these kinds of things. When do you just let go? We'll get there in a minute. But we have to stand for the truth. We have to stand for what is right, because that, to me, is true kindness. That, in the interpretation, is what kindness is. Here we have Paul. It's ironic. He's writing a heated letter 
He's in a state that just drives him crazy. He's frustrated beyond belief. Because the church that he loves so dearly that he has poured time in and time out again, resources and time and energy and effort, he sees them going in a different direction. And it's not the direction that God had destined them to go. And so he's frustrated. He's angry. And yet in his anger and his frustration, he talks about being kind. He talks about being loving. He talks about being gentle and having self-control. And all that to say is we are still allowed to have these feelings. We're still allowed to get frustrated. We're still allowed to feel annoyed. We're still allowed to feel the things that we feel. But it's how we use those feelings and respond to those feelings that makes the difference. There's a a number of incredible times where God is frustrated with his children. You read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of times where God is frustrated again and again. He's angry with the actions of his children. And that same God lives inside you and me. He knows that his call is from God, and through his frustration, he gives us instructions to be kind. Being kind doesn't mean we compromise the truth. Being kind doesn't mean we water down what is true. Sometimes there's wisdom in knowing when to push and when to pause, but we never, ever compromise the truth. In English, the word kind comes from the root kin. Anyone ever use the expression, I got some kin? Some, my kinfolk? We don't really talk like that too much. But I love this. It comes from the word kin, and it originally means to treat others as kin, as relatives. Or in other words, and maybe today we would say, it means treating other people like family. Treating others like family. In all of our human relationships that we bring people into our lives, treat them as family. Family is one of the most important pillars and structures of any society. Without family, without healthy families, societies fall apart. Systems and structures begin to fail. The strength of social assistance comes from their family values and people knowing that they have a place to belong, a place where they're taking care of, a place where we can take care of each other. Family provides safety and it provides security. It welcomes you home. Read the story of the prodigal son. What does the father do when the son returns? He opens his arms wide and he welcomes the son home. He opens his arms wide and welcomes his son home. The older brother complains. He says, Dad, you killed the fatted calf. You never even gave a goat for my family, for my friends, when I wanted to have them over. He never gave me that opportunity, but the father replies with a simple answer and says, because he's family. Now, families are probably the people that drive us nuts the most. They're the ones that drive us crazy the most, but no matter what happens, or at least no matter what should happen in families, no matter what, I will always love my family. I will always open the door and extend a hand to my family. Now, there are some incredible family dynamics. There's some incredible, horrific, and tragic situations, and and I, I just trust that God gives you the wisdom when to actually physically open the door and when not to, because there is a thing, such thing as tough love, and there is such thing as safety. I understand all that, but the reality is, is no matter what happens, that person is family, and I will treat them as such. Again, being kind doesn't mean compromising the truth. 
which also goes on to say it doesn't mean you give in to this or that either. I'm thankful, again, keep in mind, this is going to be preached on Family Day weekend, last weekend. I'm thankful for Family Day weekend. I'm thankful that we live in a blessed country and a blessed community. I mean, there were so many great activities last weekend for the Winter Festival. And, like, I would have skipped church for some of them, too, but none of them happened during church. So if you weren't here, then that's on you. But I only say that because I wasn't here. But it's such a blessing to see so much activity and families come out together. All right, let's, let's jump back into the opposites for a minute. A non-kind person is hostile, impunitive, or maybe even indifferent. They don't really care. They don't do anything. A non-kind, bur- non-kind person reduces life to a set of rules. And if you keep the rules, everything will be all right. But if I don't have, I don't need to have mercy upon you if you don't keep the rules. It's like no one likes a hall monitor, right? If you are a hall monitor, I'm sorry. But no one likes the hall monitor. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just went to the washroom. He went to the washroom at the wrong time. You know, the, the opposite of being kind or, or being kind really means we're not getting petty about the little things. It means letting those little things go. You know, no one likes the hall monitor. Jesus maintained the truth, but he offered truth with kindness. He offered truth and love. Because it's not about following the rules, it's about following Jesus. The rules should always be about that. The rules exist to point us towards Jesus. If it becomes more about the rules and the regulations and the barriers, then we've lost the point. We've missed the boat. Kindness understands that. Kindness understands the bigger picture. Remember, the spirit produces in us what the law never could. The spirit is what produces the righteousness in us. It's not us measuring ourselves up against some stick. It's simply allowing the stick to be measured against the righteousness of Jesus who lives inside of us. We can overemphasize one trait or another. We can do this and we can do that. We can reduce life to a set of rules. But they don't have compassion. Jesus has compassion on those who breaks the rules. Jesus shows his kindness and his love to those who break the rules. That person might not even be faithful to God. They might not even be faithful or interested in anything about God, and yet God still shows them kindness. Look at, look at the story of Jonah. I mentioned him a few weeks ago as well. Here he comes up again. Funny how God uses a man who really does not reflect the image or character of God at all. You know, he's, he's expecting God to destroy the Ninevites. That's the message he gave, God gave him to go share. And yet the Ninevites, they paused and they repented. And they went through an incredible series of events. And Jonah just didn't have any kindness in his body at all. No, no ounce of kindness in his bones. He said, here's the news. This is what's going to happen. Now go and die and I'm going to watch. Because, you know... That's what God told me. Absolutely no compassion, no kindness, nothing. Didn't offer them hope, nothing. Just, this is what happens. And yet kindness from God speaks of warmth in our human relationships. Kindness is treating others like family. Even though family relationships can be some of the hardest to get along with. But we do it because we value relationship more than we value our pride. 
Romans 12, 17 to 18 says, Do not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, there's a reoccurring word that keeps coming up through this series. Every time we, we seem to, it comes up every, every two weeks or so. And that word is the word forgiveness. It's amazing how powerful it is. Forgiveness is not excusing or forgetting or explaining away. We're not making excuses for a person and letting them get away with it, so to speak. Oh, you know, they did that because they're going through a hard time. They did that because their social status isn't really that good. Their home life isn't that good. So this is, this is why they're behaving the way that they're behaving, behaving. You know, they had a rough upbringing. They're a victim of something. Forgiveness is not about making excuses for them. You are not forgiving to justify behavior because what does that do? That actually puts the guilt back on us. When you begin to make excuses for someone else's behavior, you put the guilt on yourself. I should have known better because this person X, Y, Z. I should have seen this coming. I am responsible. No, stop it. You're not. You are not the guilty one. Forgiveness is not excusing or forgetting or explaining away. To forgive is simply to pardon. You know, if you're American, every Thanksgiving, what does the president do? He pardons a turkey. I don't know why, but they pardon turkey. For whatever reason, that's what they do. To forgive is to pardon. It's recognizing, hey, you've done something wrong. Maybe there is a whole slew of reasons why, but either way, you've crossed the line, you've done something wrong. And I am choosing to forgive you. I am pardoning you from those, the burden of the punishment. It's to refuse to punish even though you could. Even though you might have the opportunity, the right, even though you could, you offer a pardon. You release the person from the punishment they deserve. We let God be the judge while we offer kindness. After all, he was kind towards you and I. He was kind towards us. If you make this choice, the spirit that lives inside of us will give you the kindness that you need. Kindness is not about being petty. It's about being generous. Kindness means letting go. Letting go of the details, even if we're right, especially in situations that have little to no impact. That one's a hard one, I think, for me sometimes. I can get caught up on the little things. Should the carpet be gray or should the carpet be light gray? Should the stereo be turned at volume 7 or 7.5? We have one of those little Google Home Mini things. We got it for free. And so the kids love saying, hey, Google, play a song or whatever. And then there's the battle. I want the volume at seven. And mom and dad go, the volume used to be at four. And then, you know, there's this back and forth. It's hard to let go of our stubbornness. And maybe this is just me. It's hard to let go of my stubbornness sometimes. You know, we talked about patience a few weeks ago. You can listen to that one later. I told you about my experience with patience. Imagine how I feel about being stubborn. I'm definitely not stubborn, by the way. I'm just always right, in case you didn't know that. Let me tell you, out of personal experience, out of getting my way and winning, it's very often not worth it. It's not worth getting petty over the little things. 
After all, if the rules are about the big picture being petty, then it's also about the big picture. Now, this is not an excuse to ignore the little details because there's value in the detail. There's value in every little detail about who you are. God placed that value on you. But it's not worth it to get petty over the little things if it's going to cost us a friendship or a relationship. It actually will even eventually question your authority on a subject if you start to get petty and push your way around those types of things. It's like digging a hole and not knowing when to stop, and then you find yourself buried. I've done that before, too. Physically and what's the opposite of that? Whatever. Thank you. Not mentally, but whatever. I lost it. I didn't write it down. Kindness means not being petty with our giving. Kindness is showing generosity to those in need. Maybe it's serving, encouraging, equipping, providing resources to help another individual or family. Maybe it means being generous to an organization. Maybe it means sponsoring a child to play hockey or figure skating or, or to go to school. We have overseas sponsorships that allow us to do that. It's part of the reason why scripture gives us the instructions to give what we decide in our heart to give. Both tithe, offering, and alms. You know, Paul reminds us about kindness and goodness. They're very similar to definition. To some extent, both kindness and both goodness, they talk about generosity. They talk about the definition of goodness is really being generous. In fact, if you have an older NIV translation, it might even read the word generosity instead of goodness. For the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, generosity, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Some of those translations actually say generosity. In fact, to define the Greek word here, we can say something like being generous resulting in something good. We all love to give to something that has a really positive good result, do we not? I mean, I love when I give and, and you know, because of my giving, a child gets to go to school and they get to have three meals a day. That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty good. That is goodness coming out. I like to give because it means something good is going to happen. We know that the best example of God's, given, of God's generosity resulting in something good comes from John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave. He was generous. He gave his one and only son. What is the result of that? That none would perish, but all would have everlasting, eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave something and it was very good. He gave us the very breath that we breathe. And when he breathed his breath into our lungs and we came to life, what did he say? It was very good. He created us in his image. He gave us something of himself. We are filled with the spirit of God for kindness and for generosity, resulting in something good. Do you want, do you want something good to happen? out of your generosity? Do you want something good to happen? Do you want to see something good happen in your life, in your home, in our church, in our community? I would, I would love to see something great, something good happen out of our generosity along our whole area, along the whole North Shore of Superior. Something good 
out of our generosity. That means giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our finances, trusting that God is going to do something good. God's going to continue to do something good. I thank God for his undeserved kindness towards us. This morning, I just encourage us to just close our eyes for a minute. I want you to think of somebody, maybe they've even, maybe it's someone that's even hurt you or someone that has, is just really difficult. Or maybe you know of someone who's just really broken and really hurting. And if you don't know of anybody, just take a minute and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to share with you a name or a face or even a place of someone that really could use a bit of kindness. And as you do that, ask the Holy Spirit to just manifest his kindness in your heart for that person. Ask God to manifest that kindness inside of you for that situation, for that home, for that family. What has God given you? Choose to give to others today. Take a moment. Just pause in this moment and just begin to reflect on those who have a need today.